Honored to be here again. I am grateful um, to John for inspiration for the message today. Uh, uh, Sunday morning when John was, was preaching, it, this came to me. Um, I knew what I was going to talk about, but this title came to me, not necessarily constant, but consistent. Uh, if you were in church on Sunday morning, and I encourage you to be there, um, John has been just knocking it out of the park as far as I'm concerned, but uh, last Sunday he talked about the return of Jesus. Not, you know, necessarily soon, but it's coming. It's coming. You can tell and count on it. So that's kind of where the inspiration for that title came from. So thank you, John. I actually was listening uh, Sunday morning when you were preaching. So I, I do uh, appreciate it. We're going to be looking at Isaiah today, uh, the great prophet. And uh, so if you want to turn in your Bible there to chapter 43 uh, with your uh, Bible that's on the table, you can see what page number 642. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, we really don't know what the future holds, honestly. Um, we can predict, we can project, some people prophesy, but um, we're never too sure. There was, um, and I've been privileged, I think I mentioned it last week, to speak at lots of uh, Indian reservations, uh, um, Native American reservations uh, around the country, and I enjoy doing it. it. If there's a group of people who have been kind of persecuted and put, put away, uh, this is the group. It's a very uh, difficult situation, has been for decades, if not centuries, but uh, they, they hang in there and they're, 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 they keep going. There was a new uh, chief, and you may not know this, but a lot of times nowadays they don't call the leader of the tribe a chief anymore. They, they call him president. Uh, they're elected and uh, sometimes chair, chairman, chairperson of the tribe. Uh, there's lots of lady uh, chiefs, and um, this was a new one, and he was a little insecure. So he was trying to prepare his um, tribe for the winter, and uh, so he kind of snuck into town and called the weather bureau. Uh, you know, he was supposed to just know, but he thought he would get it from the horse's mouth. So he went into town, he called the weather bureau. In fact, there he is calling now. I think I hear it. And he called the weather bureau and asked them what the winter was going to be like. And the meteorologist on the other end said, cold. It's going to be cold. You can count on it. Well, thank you very much. So he went back to the tribe, the chief did, and said, it's going to be cold this winter. We need to gather up every piece of wood, scrap of wood you can find and bring it in to the reservation because we got to get ready for winter. And they kind of looked at him like, how do you know this? But they did it. Well, uh, two weeks passed and it was not cold. I mean, not cold. So when he was in town again, he called the Weather Bureau again. Uh, I, the last time I called you, you all said that it was supposed to be a cold winter. It doesn't seem to be cold at all. It doesn't seem to be getting cold. No, we promise you, different meteorologists, we, we promise you it's going to be cold. It will be cold. Went back to the reservation, uh, told all the people, I know you collected some wood, but you need to get some more. It's going to be a really cold winter. Another couple of weeks passed. It is not cold. So this time he's a little agitated because his reputation is on the line as a new chief. So he calls again, gets another meteorologist. Look, I've been told it's going to be a cold winter. Is it really going to be a cold winter? Yes, absolutely. It's going to be a cold winter. We know it's going to be a cold winter. Really one of the coldest ever. Well, just out of curiosity, how do you know this? 
Well, we know it because the Indians are collecting wood like crazy. <laughs> so it's going to be coal. Well, you know, you got to prepare for the future. You got to be ready for the future. So let's look at chapter 43 of Isaiah. But now thus says the Lord, says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. When you, look at those two words. Verse two, when you, it doesn't say if you, it's when you. We know this. Many of us have been laboring in the vineyard for quite some time, so we know that it's inevitable, not pessimistically speaking, but inevitable that we're going to go through difficult times. It just is. And so how do we handle this? It's not necessarily constant, but it is consistent. Um, we don't want to live a paranoid life where we're wondering what's around the next corner. We don't. Incidentally, uh, you know, I just, some of you... Uh, come up to speak to me afterwards today. So I want to apologize in advance. Eva and I have got to go uh, to the airport. The reason she's over there so she could be near the door, um, we're flying uh, this afternoon to uh, Salt Lake City for uh, the premiere of our uh, new movie, After Death. And, uh, and then we'll come back and then go to Los Angeles for the world premiere of the movie next week. And then the movie, of course, opens on the 27th in theaters across the country. I found out yesterday, 2,200 theaters across the country. That is a massive opening. So uh, that's where we'll be, and that's why we have to kind of leave quickly when, I, when we finish today. No, uh, take no offense. I'd love to t stay and talk with you, but uh, we're going to have to head out right after this is over with. So how can we know that we could depend on God to get us through times of uncertainty and adversity? Well, I, I, first of all, I believe that God gives us the power to do it. He gives us the provision to do it. We, we need that because we can't do it on our own. When we reflect on the condition of what's going on in our country right now, when we look at what's going on in the world, we've got wars on, well, we've, Ukraine, Israel, you name it, we've got wars. Many things are happening that are really horrifying. Uh, those of us who have been around a long time have to stop and pause and wonder what in the world is going on. Well, we need, we need God. That's what's going on. We need godly people with wisdom to help us get through this. And God will help us get through this because he gives us power. And that's what he did to these people. Isaiah is actually talking to, of course, the Jews, but he's saying, you got the promised land that God did promise you. You achieved it. You got there, and now you're not there. And you need to go back there because it's promised to you. And if you're worried about it, and they were very worried about it, God will be with you. He was with you to get you there in the first place. He'll be with you this time. He will. He promised he will. No matter how deep the waters get, no matter how hot the fire gets, he will get you through to the other side.
And I think we, we lose sight of that sometimes, that God's power is here to protect us. He wants to protect us. He will protect us. We may not be able to see the future. Can we see the future? No, even though people promise that they can. But we do know who, who holds the future, don't we? It's His. This is His world. We belong to Him whether we acknowledge it or not. What happens when we know Jesus is that we find out that He'll never leave us or forsake us. He said that He wouldn't. Time and time again, God has had to remind Israel, and who am I to say what's going on over there now in terms of Him reminding Israel that I am with you. I am with you. You're my people. The Lord sent plagues to Egypt. Well, the Passover angel came over and killed all the firstborn. Blood was above the door. But then after that happened, God said to them specifically, you must remember this day forever. Exodus chapter 12. Each year celebrate it as a special festival. Well, they still do. We acknowledge the, Pas the Passover. Go look at your calendar. It's on the it's on the calendar, and God told us to do that. Remember who got you through all the stuff that you've already been through. God didn't want his children to be forgotten, and he didn't want them to forget him either. And so he provided for them a way out. When Joshua was entering into the promised land, he asked that the Ark of the Covenant be placed a half a mile in front of all the people so they could keep focused on it. It was a covenant, the Ark of the Covenant. And he put it out there so everybody could be reminded after this trip who got them there and how they got there. Sometimes we need to be reminded of who we are and why we're here and how to get through all this stuff. Because there's plenty of stuff to get through, I'm sure you will agree. Memory is uh, such a powerful thing. Uh, don't ask Eva about mine. Um, your name is Eva, isn't it? Okay, yes. I read a story about a guy who saw somebody he hadn't seen in quite a while, and he greeted him. He actually remembered his name. And he says, this guy named John, sorry, John, John, said to Bill, uh, do you remember what a bad memory I had? Yes, yes, I remember it very well, I certainly do. Well, it's not a bad memory anymore. I went to a seminar that taught me how to remember things. It was a great seminar and now I have a wonderful memory. Bill said, well, that's great. What was the name of the seminar? Well, John said, wait a minute. My wife is with me. She went. I'll ask her. Um, Bill, what's the name of that long stemmed flower that has thorns on it? Rose? Rose. Um, that seminar that we went to, uh, what was the name of that seminar? How to Remember Everything. Well, we don't remember very well sometimes. We have a short memory, if we have a memory at all, and we don't remember what God did to get us through that, that divorce, that bankruptcy, that disaster, the broken relationship, the fire, the fill in the blank. We don't remember. I mean, we remember the 
the incident, in fact, we try to forget it, but the reality of it is we wouldn't have got through it except by the grace of God. And sometimes we have to remember that, the power of God. And so we need to build on God's Word. God's Word is a solid foundation. The second thing I, we need to remember is God's power. There's that weather bureau calling again. God's power. God is in control. Think of all the Bible stories that you grew up with. Uh, Joseph being uh, sold into slavery by his brothers and, and uh, being accused of having a relationship with one of the leader's wife and uh, a blatant lie and winding up in jail and in a bad jail at that. And yet he became uh, the right-hand man to the Pharaoh, second only to the Pharaoh. And then he reconciled with his family and uh, the story uh, has a very wonderful conclusion. After a very bad, difficult start, God was, God was with him. God was in control of that situation. David was really under the attack of Saul for years. But then he became the king, David did. And then after that, his son attacked him, Absalom. So he went through very difficult times, and yet we know King David and what he was able to do. I've always tried to imagine as we approach Christmas time what it was like for Mary to have an angel show up and told her and tell her that she was going to have a baby. Not married, never had a relationship with a man. You're going to have a baby, and he's going to be the son of God. I think the ladies could probably imagine what that must have been like. You know what her response was? I am the Lord's servant, and I'm willing to accept whatever he wants. Well, God had the power to bring her through this. We know Mary, and we love Mary because of her faithfulness, because she believed that God had the power to endure. Facing an uncertain future, Mary trusted God. And then there's Paul. We think of all the things that Paul went through. Shipwrecked, bitten by a snake, writing letters from prison to the people who loved him and needed to hear from him. And we ask Paul, do you have any regrets for that day on the Damascus Road when you turned from your wicked ways and decided to follow Jesus. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, rejoice in the Lord. Now, this is written from jail too. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We know Paul's story, and we know what an incredibly difficult journey he had. A series of journeys, really. And here he is telling us in the midst of all that to praise God. Praise God. Well, we do praise God because he has delivered us. His power is able to do that. You will come up against many things in life that you simply will not be able to handle. 
Even sometimes you and the people you love will not be able to handle together. But God can. And I could chronicle things right now that I know were impossible on the other side and they were possible for God and we're still here. We need to remember that. One other thing, God's grace is sufficient. Paul would testify to that too. He was an overcomer. He would say to us, if he were standing here today, and I can imagine what condition he'd be in if he were the way he was before he died, he would say, don't let adversity overcome you. God's grace is sufficient. In all the trials and tribulations that Paul went through, his faith in Jesus did not waver. He had a personal challenge, a thorn in the flesh. Theologians have debated what this is for a couple thousand years. What is the thorn in the flesh? What's your thorn in the flesh? Maybe you have several. A thorn in the flesh, what is that? Well, the, the word that, that thorn comes from in the translation is steak, not like the kind you eat at supper. I'm talking about a steak, like you would put a tent down with. It's a steak. So that's the translation of thorn. And Paul was saying, I've got a steak in me. And God, if it's in any way possible, would you remove it? I confess I prayed that laying flat on my back for months in a hospital. R remove these rods, remove these wires. I understand, I really do. Could you somehow take them away, please? God didn't take them away. And we don't know what they were. He had a lot of illnesses, he had a lot of injuries. Uh, could have been one of those. According to Galatians 4.13, he may have had poor eyesight, or that's the injury. The, the uh, Galatians 6, 11 is where he said, see what large letters I used to write to you with my own hand. So these letters were written by Paul to these churches, and he wrote them himself, but he wrote them in very large letters. Now, it's possible that he wrote them in large letters because of the people on the other end could read them, but it's also very possible that he wrote so he could read his own writing and see what he wrote before he sent it off. So that might have been his thorn in the flesh. Apparently, Benjamin Franklin had not showed up with uh, bifocals at that point, so he couldn't see very well. Whatever the thorn was, it was not removed. It was not taken away. I mean, you get a thorn in the bottom of your foot and you keep walking on that foot, it's just going to get more and more and more and more painful. I mean, even a pebble in a shoe can kind of drive you crazy. So Paul's saying, could you possibly take this away? And God said, no, but I will give you the grace to live with it. So that becomes a much better story. Don't you agree? It's a much better testimony. It's a much better, better revelation of how we deal with the things that happen on this planet. I'll give you grace to handle it. You can live through it, and when people see you living through it, it'll be a testimony to them. And even though that's not something you desire, 
It's something that God uses, and he uses it all the time. I suspect he'll use it today with somebody that you'll see here today who's going through a difficult time. You've talked about it around your table already, and you're moved by that. You're moved by how they're getting through that. You may be even wondering, what did that happen to me? How would I get through that? I understand. Truly, I do. I've heard several stories already this morning when I came in. Powerful stories, really painful stories. And so how do we get through with that, God? God's grace is sufficient. His power is evident. We need to remember that. He can get us through to the other side. Times of testing and uncertainty, we need to learn to lean on God's strength. His grace is more than we could ever come up with. He wants us to lean on him because in spite of our weaknesses, and let's face it, we have lots of weaknesses, God can use those weaknesses to bless other people, and we can give God the glory. I like old hymns a lot, and I'm thinking of one right now. When darkness seems to hide its face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anger holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. A few years ago, I was driving from Phoenix to Flagstaff. I'd spoken at a church in Phoenix, and the next day I was supposed to be in Flagstaff, so I decided to drive that night after the event was over with in Phoenix. It was very late, but it's not that far. And it's I-17, just straight up Arizona. And so I'm driving. I've been driving about 45 minutes. Very little traffic at that time of night. But as I was driving along, a police car just screamed past me. I mean, very fast. And I thought, oh my, I wonder where he's going. I said a little prayer for whatever was happening up there. I had just processed that. Then another police car went by even faster than that one. And then another one followed him. And I thought, oh my, whatever's going on up here is not good. I hope I can make it to Flagstaff tonight because it's the middle of nowhere out there. I mean, Sedona is there. And then other than that, it's just desert and mountains. So I'm hoping I'll be able to get there. We got up there. I saw the taillights. A policeman walks up to the car with a flashlight. And he said, uh, it's going to be a while. I said, well, what's going on? He said, there was a guy up there driving the wrong way on this highway, weaving all over the place. We got the call. We got here as fast as we could, and thank God we caught him. I've thought about that many times, how God was able to orchestrate that and provide for that. He knew the future, and he interceded on our behalf, all of us who were backed up, kind of frustrated what's going on, and then we found out our lives had just been saved. That's what God does. 
uh, he, he, we need to remember the power of God. We need to remember the provision of God. We need to affirm that he's in control and acknowledge that his grace is sufficient. We do not know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time together. Thank you for this Tuesday Bible lunch. This is, this is right. We should do this, and I'm happy that we do. Bless all the people here. Many, I suspect, are going through a difficult time. It's, it's not constant, but it is consistent. So be with them, Lord. Let them feel your presence, and that encourage them to rely on you and your power and your strength and your, your grace and your provision. We may not be the way we were before, but we don't have to be bitter. We can be better. We pray for a peace of Israel. We pray for a peace in Ukraine. We pray for our country. And we pray for each other in Jesus' name. Amen.